Well, welcome back to the Soybean Aphid Podcast. This is uh, a tanned and rested Matt <laughs> O'Neill. And I'm sitting across from Aaron Hodson, who's kept the microphone running. I tried. It was hard without you. You did a great job. <laughs> um, so welcome to the Soybean Aphid Podcast, August 13th, Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, Should have had a lightning cloud come in on that one. It has been uh, hot. Anyway. Are we in Louisiana? I just feel like you can't even keep anything dry. Papers or newspapers, totally soggy. I had, so I came back from vacation. Uh, we're going to do an extended version of the podcast. <laughs> uh, we'll get to aphids in a second, but I came back from vacation. I was gone for two weeks, and uh, there was mold growing on the outside of my car oh that I left gosh. parked on the street. and, I, and it was, that is, We're in Iowa. That's crazy. Um, but that's, uh, hey, we're going to tie that back into yeah. soybean aphids because um, I think that can explain some of what we're seeing in the field. Anyway, so what are you seeing in the field? So numbers have continued to be very low, except for commercial fields in the northern part, the very northern counties of Iowa, like Winnebago, Winnesheck, and Howard counties. I've heard of uh, growers needing to treat their soybean in order to protect yield because the aphid numbers have been climbing steadily for the last three or four weeks. So these are populations that have reached the economic threshold, yep. 250. And, and climbing. Okay. Now that they're climbing, um, growers need to... Uh, Spray because we're yeah. gonna that will prevent uh, a yield loss from occurring as those populations get to a point where they're going to have a, a impact on the plant. Yeah, I, th- I think most of the fields in the state are well within the treatable levels as far as plant growth, and so most fields are between R four or R five. So they're starting to produce seeds, and the seeds are expanding in the pods. So it's a treatment that's still justified if you have high aphid numbers. And as, so as we get to plants that are past R5, you've got pods that are full, um, the impact of the aphid isn't as great, you think, and growers could be a little bit more conservative about spraying. Um, and what, what we're seeing further south uh, is a, a much different picture. Uh, yeah. We're seeing aphids on plants, but their populations are very low. Yeah, especially south of I-80. It's really, really patchy within a field and between fields. So um, this is coming from reports that you've had of grower fields. Yep, grower fields. research plots, can you say something about that? Unfortunately for us, the aphid numbers are also low, and the small research plots that we have, we're working at six different farms this summer, and none of those small plots have even come close to reaching a threshold. So it makes it very difficult to do some of the efficacy evaluations that we had planned for this summer, unfortunately. Yeah. I think our student workers are really upset that they're not counting (laughs) hundreds of thousands of aphids uh, in this heat and humidity. Oh, yeah. What's remarkable uh, at this point is that your work looking in uh, uh, soybeans in our small plot uh, experiments show very few aphids. In some of the other experiments where we've caged plants and artificially infested, we've gotten large numbers. So um, maybe not as fast as we've seen in the years past, but those populations have grown. 
Mm-hmm. What's interesting is just that that you know in these uh, plots where you're hoping for art of, you know natural infestation to occur, we don't see aphids, yeah. but in these artificially infested ones, we get aphids, we get robust populations. So uh, why is that? Well. Part of what we're not seeing is aphids flying around, entering into the state, um, and that really hasn't picked up at all this year. We have not seen the immigration of aphids from uh, into the state uh, like we have in years past. Yeah. Uh, one thing that we're starting to see a return of are a lot of the insects that eat the aphid. We've, we've seen pretty healthy populations of little tiny aureus, the insidious flower bug, and seen fairly healthy populations of lady beetles. Um, that's kind of encouraging. Uh, and it seems like a combination of those two things, the lack of aphids coming in and the, uh, a fairly decent population of predators are mm-hmm. keeping these populations low. Yeah. And then to return back to what we were talking about before with the heat and the humidity, these are ideal conditions for animopathic fungi that attack the aphid. And that's been a problem in our cage studies. We've had um, populations start to decline because we see little reddish uh, brown aphids, and these are aphids that are dying from a fungal disease. Yeah, so if you see aphids that look off-color, they look maybe fuzzy white, I kind of think they look like a powdered donut, um, you can expect those aphid numbers to crash very quickly. So within a few days, you could have sizable numbers down to just a few aphids. Yeah, and it's um, curious to me that um, you said white and powdery. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing kind of reddish-black oh, ones. Okay. Um, there are other there there are different fungal pathogens right. out there, and these are not like a really bad case of uh, athlete's foot. These are uh, fungal diseases that pretty quickly kill the aphid and all its mm-hmm. all their sisters around her. Yeah. Hey, one other uh, thing to chat about here is that we're starting to get questions coming in from our website, and thank you to those who have been sending questions. Aaron, you've while well, I was gone. Uh, we're sending uh, individually crafted responses to those questions and um, just want to sort of plug that here and also so maybe you could recap what those questions were and uh, what your responses were for our larger audience. Yeah, many of the questions that have been coming in have been uh, just wanting to, wanting to know more information about heavy rain and wind events and how that might affect aphid populations. and. Um, my thoughts are after the canopy closes, uh, it doesn't have as much effect on on aphid populations, but um, you will see aphid numbers being regulated by high temperatures, heavy wind and rain. And um, I think I heard you say that, uh, if not now and in the past, that canopy closure makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So maybe growers have had the experience of seeing populations washed away on beans that were, you know, maybe vegetative and short, right. you know, a foot or two. But now that you've got what look like bushes, yeah. uh, the, there's protection there and, and you can't really allow for the rain to be your pest management tool. Right, exactly. Anything else? Um, we have a couple of field days coming up. So for those of you that are particularly interested in organic production for soybean, if you go to uh, the PFI Practical Farmers of Iowa website and you look right at the top under events, you're going to see two different field days, I think. The first one is August 28th and the second one is on uh, September 11th. Yeah, and thinking about the one on August 28th, this is uh, it's sponsored by Practical Farmers of Iowa. It's at an organic farm, uh, but even if you're not an organic farmer, you might find this useful. We'll be talking about 
the performance of the aphid-resistant soybeans. These are soybeans that have the RAG1 trait. Uh, for organic growers, this is really the best tool they have right now, but it's also the same tool that conventional growers are going to have, that conventional growers have access to from Syngenta, and now Monsanto has come out saying that they'll yeah. be releasing an aphid, what they call tolerant, but all practical purposes, it's a resistant line. Uh, I believe it's the RAG1 yep. gene as well. So we'll be talking about that. And the grower, Paul Muggy, up in Sutherland, uh, has uh, planted these in some replicated strip trials. And uh, you'll be able to see that, that in, um, in practice. We're available for autographs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm waiting for when that happens. Um, okay. <laughs> That's about all I had. Did, I mean, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, at this point, grow, I guess listeners could tune out. I could tell you about my vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Funny thing, I mean, this is a little goofy, but uh, I was out visiting family on the East Coast and on the Long Island, which is uh, right on the coast of the Atlantic. Um, I, I was finding buckthorn mm. in my uh, brother-in-law's uh uh, yard. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah it, was, it was kind of amazing to see that there. I didn't see any aphids, but yeah. to be honest, I wasn't really looking. So, okay, great. Uh, we'll come back next week, and please keep sending us uh, questions, and we'll uh, address them individually and also here on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Have a good week. <laughs>